When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Hello and welcome to The Rest is Entertainment with me, Marina Hyde. And me, Richard Osman, a brand new podcast all about film, TV, showbiz, gossip. Music, celebrity, scandal, all all the fun things that you escape to. Uh, we will be covering every week. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> well, we're going to start this week. We're going to talk about Nigel Farage and the I'm a Celebrity Jungle. So possibly you've just answered that question. And we're going to be talking about Lauren Sanchez's photo shoot and interview in American Vogue. She is the fiance of Mr. Jeff Bezos. I had not heard of her before this week. Uh, oh and you God, made me do my research. Oh, it's She's quite incredible. something. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the most expensive game show ever made, which has just come out, um, Squid Game. We have both watched it. We have yet to speak to each other about it. I suspect we might have different opinions. I certainly got a lot of opinions. <laughs> Excellent. Shall we start with um, with Nigel the Jungle? Nigel in the Jungle. Yeah. Uh, okay. So first of all, I'm a Celebrity is has been so long ITV's biggest show, I think. Yeah. And it's still, it's the biggest show of the year, actually. Ratings-wise, it is the biggest show of the year already. And Nigel Farage is, I think, their most expensive contestant ever at £1.5 million. I think he is a good booking for ITV. And I will say that that's because what he's done is he's got people to watch the show who perhaps might not otherwise watch it. Or he, it, it's one of those sort of slight marmalade droppers when you hear it and people think, I'm going to tune in. And then I guess you hope that they get caught up in the stories and the other contestants and whatever. Because, by the way, I don't think he's a fantastic contestant, but we can come on to that in a bit. Well, it's two things. They don't like my, Nigel Farage being given £1.5 million. But I don't think anyone likes anyone being given £1.5 million. Even your best friend, if like your best friend said, someone's just given me £1.5 million, you go, ah, oh, no, that's annoying. And then the question of should he be in there and is he going to use it in some way to leverage um, that sort of uh, attention to further his ends? I think this, I think that I'm a celeb by and large never does contestants much good if they're not particularly likeable and he's not particularly likeable. I think what he thought was, I'm going to go in there, uh, I am going to be voted for every single task because I'm the bogeyman. Oh my God, people love to hate me. Uh, And what's happened is people have gone, no, just don't really care. Now, I think Farage, he even said, he, he said in um, one of the first episodes, he was not voted for a task. 
so he wasn't voted, and genuine shock on his face, like he'd lost another by-election. Okay, so he had that thing like, oh no, the, the dolphin has got more votes than me. And he said, if you get voted for the task, you get 25% of the airtime. Okay, so that's his game. He wants to go in there, he wants to set himself up as sort of a man of the people. But the beautiful thing about reality TV is you can try and be whatever you want, but people find you out. The trouble with Farage, I think, is is that he's actually, and he's, why he's not an interesting contestant, is that he is, he's a very boring man. He has no sort of hinterland whatsoever. Can you imagine him listening to music? If he did listen to any music, it would be like a sort of CD that would have come free on the Sunday Times in about 2001. <laughs> Absolutely no interest in anything. I once interviewed him and asked him for his favourite film and genuinely he couldn't think of the name of a movie and in the end he just had to say something and he suddenly remembered Richard Curtis as an idea and said, I think it would be one of those Richard Curtis things, you know, so he was a really emotional human and said, and I, yeah, Love Actually, it was the only one he could remember clearly. He literally, I was thinking, just say The Great Escape, say The Dam Busters. I mean, God, it's not all hard. Of, all I'm thinking of now is what's my favourite film. <laughs> if I was being interviewed by Marina, what would I say my favourite <laughs> film is? That's the thing. See, Nigel Farage has spent a long time in politics. And in politics, he is a charismatic man because he's more charismatic than other politicians. However... If you put yourself in a room, if, if you put yourself in a room with Sam Thompson from Made in Chelsea, okay, you disappear. He did a task where he had to drink various things, you know, cow's anus, the, the usual stuff, kangaroo's anus probably. And you could tell he was trying to be the sort of hail fellow, well-met sort of man of the people, alpha male. But, you know, he's up against Tony Bellew, who's the world cruiserweight champion, who's like an actual alpha male. Right, And Tony Bellew is amazing for that show. He's perfect because this is a guy who's been through all sorts of challenges. And Farage disappears. I noticed this last night where they said to Tony Bellew, tell us, you know, Tony Bellew was telling the story and saying about that Usyk fight and it was went out in the eighth round, but he can't remember anything about the eighth round. And he said, essentially, the referee saved his life. And then they said to Farage, tell us a story. And he said... Do you know what? When I first stood for Parliament, I didn't even care if I was going to win. I thought, OK, A, lucky, and B, what? And the camera just sort of panned away because it's so boring. He is always on. He is trying yeah. to hit prepared lines on a reality format, which is just bizarre. He's treating it like he's going on one of the Sunday politicians' shows. For a start, he had quite a few sort of prepared jokes. Yes. So he'd be like, I have some snakes. I've met some snakes in the European Parliament. And then, you know, like uh, when he had to eat some, someone's anus or other, he said, oh, what's the thing? I, I think I got the back end of this deal. And I was thinking, you've got about four days left of this material. And then you're kind of on your own with your own personality, which isn't enough. See, when people say ITV shouldn't have booked him, the BBC should not have booked him 30 times for Question right. Time, is the truth. Because Question Time is easy for Farage. Because again, he, you know, he's, he's up against people who have zero charisma usually and something like that is what Boris Johnson is very good at if he knows he's got three minutes to answer a question he knows he can say exactly what he wants and so long as he keeps going and keeps going nothing will come back at him in the jungle you can't do that in the jungle you can you could say occasionally he tries to say something political Fred Syriax is, is, is the only one who really picks him up on stuff uh, and you can you can see finally Farage is like this is what I'm here for. I'm going to talk about the fact that you know there's too many immigrants coming into the country, and you think, nice. This is uh, this is this is not where we are. And Fred is actually sort of doing some useful things around the camp. You're just like 
you know, one of your dad's friends. But he does this sort of, he goes to the Bush Telegraph, which I guess is the equivalent of Big Brother's Diary Room or something like that. And there was a thing, a a sort of monologue he did where he said, you know, a lot of people are saying just what about little old me? uh, What happens if Conservatives lose the next election? And does Nigel become leader of the Conservative Party? And it went on like this. And you're thinking... Are people saying this in the camp? This is so weird. You're just, <laughs> you look ridiculous. I have not heard Marvin Humes ask if you're going to be the next leader of no, the Conservative Party. None of them. Actually, they have asked him if he would run again. I don't, they're really unclear on like whether Who you he run is. as Prime Minister, how you become an MP, anything like that, in, in the main. Clearly what he has taken as his sort of impetus, obviously Nigel's idol is Donald Trump, who f- famously was the biggest reality star, star of the first kind of golden era of reality TV, if you can call it that, which I personally thought it was an amazing particularly a time, but um, Trump, as the host of The Apprentice, the US Apprentice, had he not done that, he would not have ended up as US president. It was absolutely key. It kind of put him right into everybody's homes. He became a sort of famous person again, having been a kind of a big deal in the 80s. And I guess Farage thinks he can use I'm a Celebrity to parlay his way back into some... If it, if it does happen to him, by the way, and if he does somehow, you know, and he does become readmitted to the Conservative Party and um, become significant and senior within it, it won't be because of this show. But anyway, Richard, can you just... As someone who obviously has lots of reality TV experience, can you talk to me about booking? The booking. See, it's interesting with Farage. So he's got 1.5 million, which is a lot. And ITV know he's not a great booking. He's an okay booking because, mainly I think, honestly, because people don't really think he's authentic. So they wonder who he really is. Okay. So that's an interesting booking. You know, because like Matt Hancock, you think, I don't know, I have no idea who you are. And the generation who grew up watching reality TV knows that they will find something out about this person. They know the first three days he's going to do his pre-prepared lines and then the mask will slip. So it's an interesting booking in that regard. Here's the thing. When they're booking that show, you want to get a mix of people, right? So they've got Marvin Humes and Josie Gibson. So that's the ITV mainstream absolutely covered off. That's, the show that's pony stable. Beautiful. That's people, you know, absolutely, we feel safe, we feel at home. They know Sam Thompson is going to be very funny. And he's sort of, people slightly recognise him, but don't quite know him yet. So they know they've got someone to introduce to the wider public who the wider public are going to love. Nella, they're thinking, great, we've got sort of a YouTuber, which is, that's the obsession with all these things, is have we got a YouTuber? <laughs> it's like when Strictly got Joe Sugg on. They're like, we've got a YouTuber, guys. <laughs> guys, we've got a YouTuber. Uh, you know, the, the, the klaxon goes off. Uh, what they didn't have there was perhaps somebody older, somebody more mainstream and more establishment who, you know, that's you sort of want that. They were in talks with a lot of the people. Mix. They were in talks with Boris Johnson. They were in talk. I know. I well, mean, he would be a nightmare. I mean, that I would watch because he really would show himself up. He got quite far down the line, I think. He were, I think he, at some point, well, I guess he'll look, see what happens to Farage, which in my view won't be a whole lot. Yes. And then he will decide whether or not to do it. But he'll get desperate eventually. So they get to, not money. They <laughs> Exactly. Well, listen, soon we're going to have Boris Johnson on GB News and we're going to be doing a podcast when that starts. And that's the thing I'm looking forward to most in 2024 because... He is a guest, not a host. He is going to be a terrible, terrible host, and they will have paid him an awful lot of money. And like everyone who pays Boris Johnson an awful lot of money, they are not going to get their money's worth. But I digress. They get him in a golden handcuffs deal, and then it's them wearing the handcuffs, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But so with Nigel Farage, I think they didn't have that elder statesman figure. Um, So they're thinking, well, we've got to get one. Les Dennis is doing Strictly, so we can't have Les. Uh, And so, you know, Farage is in a situation where... They want him, of course. I get it. it. 
should they want him? But, you know, you can argue it either way, but they want him. They've probably got quite a lot of money left over in their budget because of some of the other names on there, I would think. Because I think they've got really good people on there. But, you know, Nella is not going to cost you a load of money. Grace Dent wouldn't have cost you a load of money. Danielle. Danielle Harold, who's brilliant. Fantastic, who I love. she might win. So Jamie Lynn Spears would have cost you some money. Yeah. But no one else. So you've got plenty of money left over. And if Farage is sort of saying, well, like, I want three million, and you're saying, well, I'll give you half a million and suddenly you're at one and a half million and the advertisers are going to cover it and you know it seems fine and you've got three weeks until you've got to get your whole lineup put together then that's when you end up paying it's not like they thought get me farage we will throw every bit of cash we have at farage this is it's you get to the stage when you're booking something when you have a gap and it narrowly it comes down to only one person's going to fill that gap and you have a sum of money left and you think, well, okay, we can. He can. So he he got he got he got very lucky there. It's a slightly different format, and I guess we'll talk about this in a minute when we talk about Squid Game as well. But because that does require more of a psych test, they do have a sort of psych test to see whether people are mentally up to these things. Mm. Do you think they do the same with the celebrities, or are you just regarded as like you're already in public life of a sort, and yet, therefore you don't go through the same sort of thing you'd go if you're going through Big Brother? I mean, I was talking to people who are involved in Big Brother this year, and they say, oh yeah, you know, the cast you end up with are basically the fourth choice of a full cast, so you're kind of like 80 people in, essentially, because all the other ones above have failed the psych test, because they're or, not mentally um, up to it. the Criminal Reviews Board, you know, stuff kind of, but they do it all the time. Yeah. Very, there's very, very few people out there who want to be on shows who don't have some sort of criminal conviction somewhere so it's see the psych test is interesting i was looking through because grace dent pulled out this week i was looking through the people who have pulled out of i'm a celeb over the years uh freddie star brian harvey daniela westbrook katie price Gemma collins john lydon richard madeley wow. all of those people <laughs> those people have pulled out they wouldn't be your and, first picks when you think of some of the contestants i'm putting all of those together that's a show. That's a um, would watch. Yeah, it's it, it's an interesting one, and 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 celebs. You know, things. I think Farage is allowed to smoke, for example, and I think various people. You know, you're you're, you're you know you can ask for one and a half million plus. I need a oh, pillow. Oh, he's got a huge rider. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> such a diva. Little old me, talk about little old me, and talk about himself in the third person. That's the trouble. You're sort of watching someone who takes himself fantastically seriously. And as a person who always says, you know, I don't take myself too seriously. It's like, well, you do though, don't you? Yeah, otherwise you wouldn't keep it. You know, you can show us that in your in your behaviour rather than telling us that. See, that's the thing. Farage exists in opposition to people, right? His entire rise and, and, and the rise of what he believes in exists in opposition. And he's always weaponised people who disagree with him. And the many, many people who talked about boycotting I'm a Celebrity, who talked about this is outrageous, those are actually the people who've given him the oxygen of publicity over the years. That's the irony of the thing. Coming on I'm a Celebrity, there is no publicity for him there because he can't, he can't game it. There's no way he can game that. You know, Anton Deck and their script and, and, and Andy uh, Milligan who writes it with them, you know, he, they, they are merciless towards him. The edit is not going to do him any favours. It's not, you know, it's not being mean to him because that, by and large, is not what you do in a uh, reality edit, even though people think that you do. So he has no control. He has nothing to weaponize. You know, Fred has sort of had a go at him a couple of times about Brexit, and you see Nigel sort of going, "Oh, I, this, I remember how to do this," and even then, everyone just walks away. But yes, and I think he probably thought he'd have more arguments about Brexit. But it is interesting that when it happens, people just start <laughs> moving away from the campfire. We're all moving away from that particular campfire. In fact, we started moving away from that particular campfire in about 2019, where you just couldn't hear another word about it. Yeah. 
But I do, I do think it's worth saying that contrary to what people said, as I'm not going to watch it, the overnights are down. Perhaps you can tell us what the overnights mm. are in just one second. Well, the overnights are the. That's that's you know the next morning you find out how many people watched it. Yeah, the, the overnights are down, but in terms of catch up, which is what's happening to lots of linear TV now, is that it's, it's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine, and so if you put the two together, it's at its normal levels, and it's still the biggest show of the year. Listen, I I don't love him getting a million and a half. He is not a great contestant. No. Uh, and I don't think ITV will think they've got value for money in any way whatsoever. I suspect he got the money because he was the last person booked. I think he will be forgotten. I think in a lot of ways, worse. it was worse booking Matt Hancock because he was a serving politician and should have been you know, serving his constituents. And he was the subject of a national inquiry as well. I think booking which, Hancock Which was at the worse. time was pending though, Richard. So in many ways, and that inquiry isn't, doesn't even have statutory power. So in the end... Watching Matt Hancock be subjected to a number of trials—that might might be our only real courtroom, as far as he's concerned. It's a, so, a, a you know, kangaroo I'll take testicle it. court. Yes, we put them under. And listen, <laughs> perhaps that's how we do politics in the future. But the, the interesting thing about I'm a celebrity is it is mass culture, and mass culture and mass market is not interested in politics in any way whatsoever. Politics is like football. The people who are interested in it are obsessively interested in it and know everything and are obsessed with every single thing that happens. You know, if Unai Emery says something at Aston Villa, everyone's got an opinion. But 90% of people do not care. And the same is true with politics. And you see it when he's in there. The second he starts talking, they go, oh, so what do you do? What have you done there? And you, so have you run for, are you a politician there? Would you and, run uh, again uh, for prime minister? For, yeah, would you run again and for also, prime minister? because he's so vain, he never quite disabuses them of the yeah. fact that, you know, <laughs> by the way, I've never even made it. I yeah. failed seven times to become an MP. He can never quite tell them because he thinks, oh, well, if no one knows, maybe. Yeah. Maybe but, in here I'm the big man. But honestly, the joy, the absolute joy of that is seeing him not being chosen for the task and seeing him su- suddenly go, oh, no. The little face. I thought people hated me. That's all I've ever had. And people don't even hate me. Shall we leave Nigel Farage there boring people around his campfire? What if we could leave him there? Uh, yeah, let's do this. So what we're going to talk about next is um, Jeff Bezos and his partner have done an interview and you drew my, drew my attention to that. I knew nothing about it, but I'm, I'm now broadly obsessed. And I think that anyone who hasn't seen it is also going to be obsessed. Okay. So Jeff Bezos, just as a recap, uh, Amazon founder, uh, recently ripped, uh, now looks a bit like a Vin Diesel, regional Vin Diesel lookalike, and is sort of hands around the world's richest man title between him, Elon Musk, and uh, Francois Pinot. Um, so they kind of hand it around. I think Pino's got it at the moment, but he's either the second or third, third or first richest where's, man. Where's Zuckerberg? Oh, he's below. He's Ugh. below. Yeah, I mean, you know. What yeah. a beautiful story. Yeah, this is for US folk, not the cover, but we'll come to that later. <laughs> um, anyhow, this is t- the interview takes place at various locations in the West Texas Ranch, from which Jeff also launches all his space rockets. Wow. Um, and Lauren flies them around the ranch, All the flies Vogue and all the fashion people because she's in many different outfits in this shoot in her helicopter. Yeah, she's a helicopter pilot. And if your next question is, do they have a climate foundation? Of course. <laughs> anyway, if I had to say, what did I like about it? I would pretty much have to say everything. So let me paint you a word picture of what we can see. Behold Lauren at the 10,000-year-old clock. Now, this is something Bezos has built on this on his ranch. It's 500 feet deep. It's loads of sort of blue cogs. It goes really... Uh, if you're wondering what it means, uh, Lauren says it represents thinking about the future. 
No, nothing more. Nothing what is more. it? A clock? It, it, it is I got vast a clock. cogs. It's a 10,000-year clock. It, that's all we hear. It's a massive infrastructure problem. Anyway, what you can see is Lauren lying across one of the cogs <laughs> in sort of Category 5 Dolce & Gabbana. Anyway, next, behold her in the Blue Origin Space Facility itself, um, in one of those sort of in a sort of gold again, I think Dolce and Gabbana dress that honestly looks like one of those fo- uh, foil blankets they give you after a disaster. Maybe this photo shoot. Literally everybody, by the way, is now <laughs> looking up this online. So just wait, wait till the end, and we'll all okay. we'll, we'll all look together. And then Lauren and Jeff. In the front seat of a truck. Now, Jeff is wearing a cowboy hat, a very fitted black T-shirt. He's got ripped in recent years. And he's also wearing Lauren, who's draped over him, along with various sort of leather bracelets and so on. The Bezos Sanchez's would like you to know that they are extremely hot for each other in this interview. The reason I really love this interview is because I've been asked to write for Vogue a few times, and I never end up doing it because I always say, I know you think you want my writing in Vogue, the sort of thing I write in The Guardian, but actually... When it comes to it, you'll be like, oh, no, we can't have this in our magazine. And the last time I did it, someone said, well, you know, what would you say about Chris Jenner? And I said, well, she, the Kardashian martyr familias, as it were. And I said, I would say that she is one of the hardest women on the planet, but yet not Armenian. It was the husband who was Armenian. Therefore, perhaps she's a succubus and sucked all the Armenian out of him, leaving him, Robert Kardashian, a man so wet that he would end up being played by David Schwimmer in a TV adaptation of the OJ trial. And they said... No, you're right. Probably we wouldn't have that in Vogue. <laughs> anyway, but the writer of this, Chloe I have never Mal, read. I have never read Vogue, by the way. Oh, well, I mean, I'm assuming I just it's... do it for the pictures. Okay. Uh, I, read, I, I read Q. <laughs> <laughs> it's anyhow, but it's very hard. You're not really allowed to be funny, and you're not, anyway. The writer of this, Chloe Mal, has done an unbelievable job because it is an absolutely hysterical, as you can see, profile yeah. and interview. But Lauren will have loved it. <laughs> Which I sort of love. Someone actually, when I first started writing on tabloid newspapers, said to me, tabloid journalism is about doing people over and then having them ring to thank you in the morning, which I thought was exceptionally bleak. But this is an example of that because Lauren will have absolutely loved it. Can I just give you some of my favourite facts from this interview? Yes, please. Okay. Seven people refer to Lauren as a force. It's quite oh, wow. euphemistic. That's, uh, yeah, that really is euphemistic. Yeah, like a, when a friend comes around and goes, no, um, listen, she takes a while to warm up. okay for a recent present Jeff bought Lauren a mug reading woke up feeling sexy as hell again and yes he got it for her on Amazon oh my goodness that's awful he thinks I might do you know what I might pull my books from Amazon yeah wow okay (laughs) notes big swing in the first podcast yeah he thinks that her intuition is so beyond limitations of other humans that she has almost witchy powers Really? She clears up the fact that on the... Their, have you, their, I don't know if you've seen there, but he's got the biggest yacht in the world now, a sort of trireme that uh, is called Koru. And it's so big, it has to have its own support yacht that trails along behind it that has boring little stuff like the helicopter pad and some other things. Oh, As I say, they've days. got a climate foundation. And on the front of this thing is a sort of large-breasted... Um, figurehead in a diaphanous thing a wooden thing on the prow of this boat and a lot of people thought it was Lauren Lauren uses this interview to point out that it isn't her because if it was it would have had bigger breasts so what's Bezos's motivation for doing this interview. He doesn't need publicity. Well, that's a really interesting thing. I actually think, first of all, you would think that it's the, sh- the shoot is by Annie Leibovitz and okay. you would think that it looks like a parody of an Annie Leibovitz shoot, but you, th- you would think that they would demand the cover because when you're a big celebrity or a big whatever, you demand the cover. And actually, I've done, I've done TV Choice twice. Did you get the cover? 
Yeah. No, I'm saying I've got the yeah, TV show's If I don't get cover. the cover, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Um, both times with Zander, but listen. <laughs> You'll take it. That yeah. showbiz. I know it's John Leibovitz. Oh, who's, right. uh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> with a big Polaroid. <laughs> but th- what people say about Bezos is that he really, you know, people ask why, why are you in the prestige TV? Why are you, why is Amazon into streaming? Why is Amazon sort of bankrolling films? He was so excited when they got their first uh, Oscars. They got some for Manchester by the Sea, like a pretty depressing film um, but he'd picked it up as a distributor really and he was so thrilled that he was going to be anywhere near the Oscars the Golden Globes he's a guy who really wants to go to the Golden Globes Jeff Bezos he gives big parties around it he really wants to be part of that sort of thing and, and she obviously clearly wants to be famous and so they've agreed to do this and despite all the opprobrium that they've people have laughed at this interview but they want it so much I suppose it's because they don't need to do it but they want it so much and so you're looking at two people who genuinely have obviously everything in the world but really want to be famous but also perhaps you know he's got that very very typical slightly dweeby male thing of saying look at my girlfriend and yes. it's like a, it's like a you know it's a it's a really expensive way of saying look at my girlfriend. Uh, there's a fantastic quote in it where she said, "I've well, people are talking about her clothes, which are you know quite quite out there. She doesn't leave a huge amount of the imagination, Lauren." And she said, "She says I always found it interesting that people say, well, Lauren, you definitely dress more for men. I actually dress for myself.'" And then from the corner of the room comes this little voice. It's Jeff saying, "But it works for Jeff." Oh, my God. I actually am going to take my books off Amazon. I'm so sorry. uh... (laughs) Anyway, but there's a very good paragraph in this interview that says, Lauren wakes up thinking about how to help people, says Elsa Collins, co-founder of This Is About Humanity, an organisation supporting separated and reunified families at the US-Mexico border. Very good cause, obviously, which recently received $1 million from Sanchez. One million. Okay, he earned $205 million a day. Okay, so... This is like someone on the average UK salary giving about 35p to charity. I mean, why does no one call them a philanthropist? The Bezoses are what I would call philanthropists. But also, I don't think that's what she does wake up thinking about. Oh, no. That's my. She's waking up thinking, I need a wee. (laughs) Or she's thinking, is it late enough I can do spelling bee? New York Times has homes under the hammer started yet. She's not waking up thinking about the charity, and if she is, it's because she forgot to do something. Like she's going, oh, I forgot to send that check to the Mexican people. Oh, that's annoying. Oh, listen, I'll do it later. But it's a hell of a person to get married to. Oh, she's brilliant. Isn't she's it? she's planning an all female space mission. Is uh, she? Next year. Yeah, in the Blue Origin craft, which I just like. Good luck, space. I mean, the bits I've read, I've really, I've quite warmed to her. Oh, she's. I have to say, she's a force. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, Richard, she is, she's a force. She takes a while to warm up. <laughs> But she is uh, literally net takes naught seconds to warm up. She is on from the start. She'd be a fantastic I'm a celebrity contestant, let me tell you that. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, listen, she doesn't need the money. No, unlike Farage. But she likes the fame. Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. We are back. I've just been looking up that mug on Amazon. You're not kidding. So it woke up sexy as hell again, eleven ninety nine. And it's included in Amazon Prime. Absolute steal. I'm amazed he didn't pay wholesale for it. But also, she should say, woke up sexy self. She goes, I wake up thinking about the problems at the Mexican border, my friend. So enough of this. <laughs> Either make a mug of that or shut up. Yeah. Um, shall we talk about the single most expensive game show ever made, which is Squid Game, which has just launched on Netflix. We've both watched it. We've deliberately not spoken to each other about it. It is an extraordinary production. So it's a kind of live challenge version of 
Squid Game. So Squid Game is the biggest show in the history of Netflix. Um, you know, been watched over a billion times, added over a billion dollars to their sort of net worth. Uh, an extraordinary piece of TV. And now they're sort of, they've gone to Studio Lambert, who make all sorts of brilliant TV shows. Uh, and Traitors. They- Traitors, Race Across the World, world, Undercover Boss, millions of millions of great things. And they've made this TV version of it in an enormous hangar-like set near Bedford. Um, So it's a a UK production made by a UK production company. International contestants, as long as they're English-speaking. I loved it. I absolutely adored it for a number of reasons, which I'll go into. But what was your initial thought? I thought it was unbelievably accomplished and amazing but for various reasons which I'll also go into I found it fantastically bleak it is bleak for sure but that, that's how I like my game shows that's but why also... that's that's why I love the wheel with Michael McIntyre <laughs> it's not no. as bleak as that Christ. I take it and no, I take it back I like the wheel um so no, I found it bleak for other reasons, but we'll come on to those. So you've got 456 contestants in there, and it's they play the same games as you've seen on Squid Games. So with the first one game, exception. With one exception. So the first game is the red light, green light with a doll whose head turns yeah. round, and everyone's in the green tracksuits, and off they run. So as a game show producer, I'll say this, game shows are dying. So the, the sort of things that I've made all my life, I've done quizzes, but also these sort of shiny floor Saturday night shows, which are, are, are disappearing. You know, it's that kind of mid-market television, which is completely gone. Uh, And Netflix have not really had hits with this sort of unscripted game show type stuff. And suddenly this is the biggest show in the world. It's number one in 78 countries. Um, It is outperforming the crown, this show. Um, Listen, it's got a $4.56 million prize, which has something to do with it. But it's also beautifully made. It goes against every single rule of it game shows. So like, it looks oh. so like the show. I mean, the lighting, everything about it is obviously extremely expensive. It's far more expensive than the show, which we'll come on to. Well, the the the, the creator of the show was was has been down on set, and he was you know he was um, involved in how it looked in the production design and 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 all that kind of stuff. But TV, you know, with a game show, um, the first thing people always say to you, you need to know who the contestants are. And on this show, of course, you don't because there's so many of them. Did you spot in the first game, which is the red light, green light, uh, a 90s British television legend? No, I didn't. Amongst the contestants. He, he got knocked out in the first round. But you can, if you go back over it, Wolf from Gladiators is in there. Shut the front door. 71 years old, Michael Van Wick. And he oh is in that. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, that just shows you. I mean, it was really interesting, that game, because I was thinking, how are they going to do this? How are they going to deal with, like, they found a way to have people speaking about their backstories before the game starts to camera so you kind of get invested but it was really interesting there was someone who's in that first game and you hear her saying you know I want to um, she explains what she wants the money for and they're kind of quite sort of sad facts of modern life just that feeling of being in endless debt and in lots of ways speak to the themes of the original drama and she and you think oh wow I wonder how long we'll be following her she's honestly moaned down by about after about 18 seconds in red light green light that's it so you've just got to kind of get in with new stories but it manages it Um, and I remember actually um, the documentary maker Adam Curtis who's a brilliant category of one brilliant sort of kind of polemicist and thinker and he had worked a lot with Stephen Lambert and said to me always the reason Stephen Lambert's who is Studio Lambert the reason that his reality shows are always really good is because he spends so long on the casting and so he thinks so hard about their stories and he hears kind of every detail about all these people's stories and thinks you know how will you work on the Gogglebox sofa in concert with all the other Gogglebox families or couples or whatever it is and he thinks very very deeply about that sort of stuff and that's why it really 
particularly works. That's why Traitors worked so well. They went for people who did strategy games and they really found kind of brilliant contestants, which really elevate it and I clearly he's done that here. I think that's exactly right and um, Tim Harcourt also, who, who is his sort of right hand man who does the same stuff I mean that's, yes. that's a hell of a stable they've got at the moment with Traitors, Gogglebox, Squid Game Race Across the World I mean everything they do uh, is turning to gold at the moment but yeah so in shows in, in a traditional game show you do ask people what they're going to do with the money I've always said, well, you don't need to, occasionally it's interesting, but usually it's not, because usually it's going to be, you know, they're going to mend a fence. And when it's four and a half million, you don't need to ask, because it's it's four and a, I mean, what do you mean, what are you going to do with the money? I mean, it's going to change everyone's life. You know, that's, that's, that's three times a farage, four and a half million. So you don't sort of need to need, need, need to ask that. Another thing I love about it is it's very faithful to the original um, thing, which is great. So everything you see looks very, very familiar. They don't explain the rules at any point. That's my. No. This is, I'm going to. I'm going to do some behind the curtain Please stuff on, on TV game shows. My absolute betoir is any show you do say, oh, you got to explain the rules. Explain the rules to us. And you go, there's two types of people in this world. What and about fifty fifty, half people understand what's going on you don't need to explain it to them the other half haven't worked out what's going on and the more you explain it to them the less they understand in the same way that if you ask someone directions if you say oh sorry i'm looking for the town hall and they go okay it's about 100 yards up on your right and then if you turn left either i stop listening after it's 100 yards up right if it's not just up there then i've stopped listening and that's the same with explaining rules to people this show has no host so for the YouTube generation who will not watch those Saturday night TV shows, because why would they? Because they're used to something where you're straight into the show, you're straight into the gameplay, you're straight into someone getting eliminated. And that's what happens on this show. There's none of this, hey, welcome to the show. This is Squid Game, the yep. show where, fight, you know, none of it. We don't need any of it. We go straight into, into gameplay and, and to talking about people, which makes it feel incredibly modern. And I think it might reinvent the Saturday night shows because Saturday night shows are stuck in their 80s and 90s and earlier that yeah. thing of host comes out in a suit welcome along to the show big your audience you know big applause shall we meet our contestants blah 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 John where are you from oh, I went from Daventry and John what do you do for a living oh I mean it's like no one no, no one, one cares, cares right we honestly I can look at John from Daventry I'm British I can look at him and I've made it I have a view already if anything okay. I want to know at the end yeah Yes, and tell go. me your story. You know, like there were Nigel in the Australian version of Traitors. You oh. learnt at the start that he'd oh been taken God. hostage, and then I went back at the end and read his whole story, and it was an absolute mind blower. But you know, you, they don't explore it at all in the format of the show, and that is all to the good. Which even with an amazing story like that, still works better. One of the things we're going to do on this podcast is really, really recommend stuff and be incredibly positive about because there's loads of great TV and the Australian Traitors. If anyone hasn't watched it, watch the British Traitors if you haven't seen it. It's brilliant. It's if you haven't seen the British Traitors, the, the, the new season. series, I know. But the Australian Traitors is kind of a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it breaks all the rules. And again, it's it's made by the same company, and you know, there's there, there's a reason for that. So this show, it's sort of it's behind the scenes, and it's a reality show, but it's a game show. Uh, and as you say, they've. I mean, I I'm a geek about it because I'm fascinated with how they're doing the sound design on it because they're, yeah. they're, they're isolating mics in the so middle of, the middle of yeah. this room and, and the way like they've that. choreographed the guards so that the guards 
can actually direct the contestants. So it's far more immersive for the contestants yeah. than if some sort of floor, floor producer was shouting yes. off to the side how to do it. Um, I, and, I can't begin to imagine how long it took to film. Can uh, I Can I now sound a note yes. of dismay? Because first of all... Oh, a note of dismay. Uh, yeah, a note of dismay. Because, okay, the, cre- the creator, um, Huang Dong-Yak, who is obviously a creator of the original TV yeah. drama, there's a few things we should understand about. Because he sold that to Netflix... Uh, and as you say, it made a huge amount of money for them, although it's always very secretive how much it actually makes for their company. They paid him a flat fee, and it didn't matter that that show became the absolute biggest show on the planet, their biggest show ever, far bigger than Stranger Things, bigger than anything. He got absolutely nothing more. Um, and he got nothing for this either, as far as, I can, as far as I can see from it's being reported. And that's because when Netflix buy your original idea, they buy everything. Now, the fact that a, a show... I mean, it's really interesting. I'm do- when you do a TV deal and I'm do a development deal for an original idea and I'm in the middle of one at the moment, but every time I've done one of these deals and every time any writer has done a deal like this uh, for TV writing, uh, you'll, you'll say it takes ages to do and you'll say to your agent, how's it coming along? And she'll say, oh, I'm nearly there and we've done a couple of things. Uh, things like, you know, what percentage of the box office if, if it became a stage musical? And you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure my like half hour comedy yeah. on podcasters or the TV industry or whatever is not going to become a stage musical. That said, I want 17.5%. Well, yeah. Well, you know, the Squid Game... They're, the well, they're, they're offering 15. No. Okay, we're, we're walking. We're going to Amazon. I'm very good friends with Lauren Sanchez. Uh, I know Jeff. Huge. Yeah. I will never say that again, though, because Huang dong probably thought, okay, I'm pretty sure that my peak TV, prestige TV, very dark satire on capitalism that features a game show is not ever going to become a game show. Yeah. Well, here we are. A lot of people have said, and I think it has slightly, the message of the show, okay, and it is pretty sledgehammer. We're not talking about The Sopranos here, but it's pretty sledgehammer. <laughs> and, it, it, the, you know, capitalism is kind of iniquitous and it makes pits people against people in these horrible ways. How, is making a game show in order to rinse more money out of that r- original idea for drama kind of not just misunderstanding the point of the original show, but maybe blunting it and in some ways cannibalising your own product. What I'll say is this. So Huang uh, Gong, uh, who, as you say, came up with the original original one, he was uh, an advisor on this, so he's down on set. So he is getting a lot of money for it. Well, they found a way to pay him then. Because a they lot didn't, of money. He and, got not an extra penny oh, from, uh, for his show being the biggest right. show in the world. But that's the case with the BBC. That's the case. If you do a show for the BBC, you're not getting any uplift. You know, you don't suddenly, if you have a huge hit, you don't suddenly get more money for the next series. And, you know, you can't exploit it and various things. So that's the case with a lot of things. And one of the things with Netflix is they pay an awful lot more up front than a traditional broadcaster, but they do keep all the rights. And, you know, that's that's one of those things that you go, well, should we go with Netflix? Should we go with somebody else? You know, retaining the rights is usually the key thing in any um, uh, negotiation when you're selling a show. But if you try to sell it to everyone else and no one wants it, and Netflix are willing to buy it, there we go. Then you'll take it. Then we'll take it. So as you say, the success of the first series, which obviously made Netflix uh, a lot of money in various ways, subscribers and what have you, he is not directly sharing in that. However, he is the brains behind that show. Netflix want a second series of that show. Yes, they do. Netflix want to have a game show version of it as well. So he will have made out like Bezos on those two deals. He will. And actually, thanks to the WGA deal, the Writers Guild of America, which went on strike earlier this year, which, as you may have read, um, and finally came off strike in September, um, one of the deals they got was on streamers 
residuals. And residuals are kind of success-based royalties, broadly speaking. If they rerun your show, if it's on a network, or if it becomes a huge hit on streaming. At the time, you didn't you didn't necessarily get on streaming, you didn't get any extra money. Um, and obviously, he didn't get any extra money for Squid Game. And he was very clear about it in several interviews yes. afterwards that he got nothing more. Um, and he was kind of, you know, capitalism's going to capitalism about it all. However, um, th- that has now changed. And Netflix will give you a sort of fraction um, of residuals if your show becomes um, is watched by 20% of its audience in any of the territories once within three months of its release. So Squid Game would obviously have qualified for that. But I am struggling to think of any other... I just don't think it's... However good the show is, I do find the idea of doing it very bleak and I'm struggling to think of any <laughs> single other network streamer, anyone who would do this with their own prestige TV drama. I'm really struggling to think. And maybe you think, oh, well, that's why Netflix, that's why they're geniuses and that's why they're winning. But for me, it's quite bleak. And I just, I don't really like the idea of it. Uh, yeah, I think this, I think you've got a drama that's about a sort of game show. There's no way you're not going to turn that into a game show. Mr. Beast did it. So Mr. Beast did his own version of Well, Mr. Beast, who I love, and I want to do a deep dive on Mr. Beast in one of our upcoming shows, definitely. Um, Mr. Beast is a YouTuber, and he did do his own version of Squid Game. But that is a different thing to the people who actually own the IP, the intellectual property. I mean, he didn't actually even ask them permission, I don't think. Well, that's the thing. So he did not ask. He just did it anyway. And it's sort of good for the brand. But certainly, Huang Gong-yuk is not making any money from that, and neither is Netflix. But... It was huge. It was enormous. No way in a million years you're not going to do the game show version of it. If you were the BBC, if you're Amazon, whoever, if you're ITV, any of them, you're going to do the game show version of it. I think it's, they've only released the first five episodes, I think, then four more, then the final. Um, I I think think they have now dropped the rest of them, perhaps, possibly. I think that Stephen Lambert and Tim Harcourt are smart enough to understand they have some existential bleakness at the heart of this format. And they lean into that quite heavily in the first episode. They're smart enough to understand that actually what we want is redemption. And we, what we want is a story that has heart. And you can see it, it as, as early as the second episode. They're, 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 they're working that out. So I think they're going to tell a very interesting story. I think it's an extraordinary bit of television making. There's amazing things. The very end of the first episode, you have to go on to the second one. There's a task where four people, each of them have to choose one symbol to do that cookie cutter game. And one of the symbols is much worse than the others. And they have to agree within two minutes. And of course, no one wants to get the, the umbrella symbol is the no hardest No spoilers one. here, but uh, yes. No spoilers. You know, and essentially, if they don't decide, then they get eliminated themselves. And it's just, it's such a <laughs> such a brilliant moral quandary they place uh, everybody in. And I think that, firstly, I think it might be a real shot in the arm for the game show industry. And I just think it's brilliantly made and full of I mean I cry at all television my wife Ingrid cries at all t- she was she was crying at the mother and the son on the first episode the mother on the first episode is incredible so you can see they know where the heart of the show is I, I think they're heading towards it well can I now change on something different which is tactics because I you <laughs> see, are the format now you're in. and I know I'm in anyway I mean you know it's my fault I'm watching all this stuff you see so I'm, I'm part of it but uh, what are the tactics to succeed within that format so far like in the early episodes, is it good to just not become someone with a target on your back? Like people know your number. There's someone called 432 who is some kind of monster. Um, <laughs> and there, there, there are, is it better to be just someone who no one would ever sort of pick you to be eliminated or pick um, 
or just to just not be known? Of course it is. As my grandfather, who's a police officer, used to say, if you're ever called to a fight in a pub, be second through the door. That's what I always said. Don't never, never be in the vanguard of uh, of any reality show ever. It never ever works out for you at the start. Just... But does it become? Does the do the tactics change as the game evolves? And is it then better to become someone who people regard as a leader, or as a, even in things with like I suppose without when I'm a celebrity or anything, people that people regard as a leader or someone that they feel has heart or... I think, honestly, the best thing on all those shows is to be true to yourself yeah. is the thing. But yeah, I think people have watched Squid Game so they understand that they might need alliances at some point. Yeah. And they might need people who have brains at some point. They might need people who have strength at some point. It's interesting how literate the players are yes. of, of the... Uh, as you say, it's great that we don't have to have the rules explained. But people are so literate of these formats now and they understand what's... You know, so as I suppose as Farage was doing, talking about 25% of airtime, people really understand like that they might need alliances they they understand far more than we did in the early days of reality tv where people were just like oh we've got some cameras on people and no one knew how to behave yeah i honestly i think it's i think it's a show slightly it's it's a reality show mixed with a game show in a way i've never quite seen before i think it's i could understand watching one episode and going this is uh, a bit bleak for me uh but <laughs> genuinely i trust in studio lambert uh, and i trust in the brains behind the original TV show that it's going to be something quite compelling and extraordinary and the scale of it I mean it is it's extraordinary, is extraordinary to see I mean the original show cost the original drama cost I think 2.4 million dollars an episode which by the standards of prestige TV you could be paying 10 times that for an hour um, and this I mean I don't know what this is this is costing many multiples of that per hour this 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 would be I mean officially I mean really it would be the most expensive game Clearly show ever made but it's it's not and i'll tell you for why oh. because something like the voice usa the talent costs which are millions and millions and millions so the talent costs make that more expensive per hour than this would be but in terms of what you're wow, seeing on Blake screen Jelton, the final point of catalyst exactly that but in terms of what you're seeing on screen no one's ever spent more money on a on a game show than this and i, I really think it shows so it's on netflix it's certainly a spectacle it is a spectacle i would honestly give it a go if you if you don't like it i it get is it amazing but it's it's quite something, isn't it? And I can see why it's beaten the crown in, in virtually every territory around the world as well. Well, I can certainly see that, yes. We should talk about the crown next week, maybe. Maybe. Shall we sign off with a few things we've loved this week, just recommendations for people to watch and read and so on? Absolutely. I would like to recommend a book called Erotic Vagrancy, uh, Everything uh -oh. About Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton which is an absolute masterpiece by a man called Roger Lewis. It is everything about Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. Perhaps the first celebrities, Clive James always thought they were because they became more famous for being famous than for the acting that they, which brought them to fame. And it is, it's a very long book and it is, honestly I can say it's one of the great reading experiences of my life. I felt drunk when I was reading it. It is like a fever dream. It is funny, fascinating. He is a brilliant, brilliant writer and it is an extraordinary study of two people. What's it called, Ian? Erotic Vagrancy. That's a bad title. It is a bad title, but I tell you what, it's called that because when they were in Rome and they came together for the, during the filming of Kit Cleopatra, leaving their, some of their other wives and husbands, they were carrying on so obviously that the Pope wrote an open letter, which I, in a journalist is always an act of madness, but possibly not in Popery. I'm don't, not so familiar with the business, but denouncing them for erotic vagrancy. And he wrote it to the Vatican newspaper and uh, it was published while they were filming Cleopatra in Rome. Imagine being so hot the Pope has to write a letter 
just, and they just, were and yeah. more oh my god a, what a study of appetite and the Pope of course is a guy who has a uh, woke up feeling sexy again mug uh, <laughs> on his bedside table uh, what I recommend firstly I thought uh, this week Strictly was extraordinary if you haven't watched it Bobby Brazier who's J- Jay Goody's son does a dance for her and it's just it was so beautiful and Jeff Brazier is there and he's in tears it's just one of those things I've always, I think Strictly is one of the most quietly revolutionary shows on television and does beautiful beautiful things and this was we were just sitting there watching we were in absolute floods of tears it was very beautiful but also in, in amongst all these documentaries recently which maybe we'll talk about at some point you know Beckham and Robbie Williams and, and Arnie the Ronnie O'Sullivan documentary oh, on yes, Amazon Prime is so good oh, okay. I mean hashtag no filter it's really, really, really good. What a and subject, I, though. I mean, he's he's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 quite a story, and you you, you don't have to love snooker to watch it. Listen, if 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 you love snooker, there's plenty <laughs> of action there. You know, Osama v Selby, all sorts going on. Um, but it, yeah, it's 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 a really, really great thing to watch. So I would recommend uh, that to people. Well, Richard, I think that about wraps it up for our very first week. That was fun. I, I had a huge amount of fun. Should we do it again next week? I think we should. And if you are listening to this on uh, on the 28th, on the day it comes out, that's my birthday. Uh, but if you're listening the next day, the 29th, I'm at the dentist. So I'm having a roller coaster of a week. I'm having a Hollyoaks of a week. And we also want to say, if you want to send in any questions, we would love to hear from you. So all, questions on all matters entertainment at therestisentertainment at gmail.com. Please write to us and we will answer them in some format sooner or later. On pretty much anything. Try and try and do a question about someone who Marina doesn't like because that's that's the thing I love most. <laughs> I love a proper rant. And anything you need to know about, say, Escape to the Country or Homes Under the Hammer, you just ask me. Okay, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next week. See you next week. Mm-hmm.